I don't think it would be inappropriate to uh, um, maybe uh, a little round of applause for our worship team this morning. I uh, thank you so much. I mean, I'm standing there thinking, well, I guess that's it. We can we can go home today. I don't think we need to. Of course, I'm I'm also sitting out there looking up, and I see toilet paper all over the place. And Kayla was like, "We're going to toilet paper the church." I'm like, toilet paper? Okay, I remember toilet papering when I was in high school. We'd always get caught. We'd always go to girls that we liked, and we'd, we'd try to get caught. You know, that was part of the, the thing, you know. We'd have to go back and clean it up. That was... So I didn't know what to think about all this toilet paper. And, uh, you know, one of the things I teach in psychology is... Uh, and I don't really ascribe to this a whole lot, but there was a... Uh, you know, some people believe... You know, Sigmund Freud talked about sometimes our unconscious mind will uh, creep out into the uh, creep out into the real world, and we can see what's going on. And sometimes we look at things and we we kind of project our our emotions, our, our personalities onto things. And, and I'm looking at all this toilet paper, and I'm thinking about uh, you know I'm wondering what uh, what brand did you bring in? Because I think the brand that you brought in probably says a little something about you. I mean, like, this one's, this would be me, ultra strong. <laughs> so when I shop, you know, that's what I look for. You know, I... How many of you uh, brought in the uh, Angel Soft? Probably warm and fuzzy people. Well, there you go. Ultra plush. Yes. My goodness. What kind do you use? <laughs> no comment. No comment. Uh, okay. Whatever's on sale. Yes. You know. Truck stop. Truck stop. Toilet paper. You, you're kind of a rough dude. You, you know. I, that, that makes sense. I can't see you using Angel Soft or. Uh, I don't know. We had a lot of fun at the, the game the other night. Football game at uh, Graham High School. Of course, I'm from Graham. I coach at Graham. I am Mr. Graham in a lot of ways. And uh, and Jimmy, of course, and half the other, and a lot of other kids, you know, are up there. And, and Northwestern was there. And it was a great night for the Warriors. And uh, Northwestern won, but but everybody had a great time. And, and Northwestern's finally going to the playoffs. First time in, like, 50 years or something like that. It's almost been that long for Graham, but... Uh, you know, maybe eventually, I don't know. But it was a great night, you know, and for me as a coach, the last game of the season is always, uh, I don't know, it always brings up kind of bittersweet feelings. Uh, you love the game, you love the, the kids and all the time you spend and all of the things. And, and, of course, I didn't coach varsity this year, so I, you know, not nearly as much time as some of those guys put into it. But it always strikes me as weird because, you know, you fight and you fight and you play and then, boom, the clock runs out and whoosh, that's it. All that and then nothing. And uh, so it's, it's, kind of, it's always kind of a bittersweet time for me. I, I always go into a depression at the end of football season anyways. You know, I still got a couple more months of TV and there's high school playoff games I'll go see and... But uh, it was a great, uh, it was a great game. I mean, uh, Trey, I think it was Trey's last game. He played, he was a varsity player, 
played hard this year, did a great job. Chapman, I don't know if Chappie's here. Chapman's back there. Chapman's a guy people have always underestimated him. Now look at this guy. Then he puts the pads on and he becomes like John Cena and he just like <laughs> hurts people. You know, Savannah did the flags. I ran into her. She was, I'm standing there on the track and I hear this, John, John. And I'm like, oh, Savannah, there, there she is standing there. I kept looking for Colton, but I, I missed him. I didn't see him. And of course, Eli, you ripped my heart out over and over again Friday night. So I'm sitting up in the press box, and they're like, who is that kid? I'm like, I know that kid. He, he, sometimes he comes to our church, and I know his family, and they're, they're looking at me like, man, he's pretty good. And I'm like, eh, he's, he's all right. And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. So why didn't you tell us he was... I said, well, he only stomped on us the last three years in a row, I think, or something like that. So. But all kidding aside, even my son Kalen got in on the act. He's a, he's a drummer. He got to play the, the quints or the quads, whatever they call them. He stepped in at the last minute. For him, that was like going to the Super Bowl, and he did a great job. And Jesse's going to state with the cross country. and I coach track, but at least in track, Sometimes you have, I don't know, like a shot put, you got like a ball. You know, cross country, is it even a sport if it doesn't have a ball? <laughs> I mean, you got to chase something around at least. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we used to be friends. I don't think we're friends anymore. That's all right. I always play baseball and... No, never did. Never did. No. No, but my friends called that nine-man stand-around, so I got it from them all the time. So, I don't know. Anyways, it was a great night. It's been a great weekend uh, for our, all of our communities, and uh, it's really neat. One of the neat things about it, and I'll, I'll get off of this, quit bragging about that, but we were at the end of uh, games at Graham. Our team usually commiserates out on the middle of the field for... 15, 20 minutes, and then they run into the building, and, and we wait for our band to come out, and they do this big dance-around thing. It's a tradition that they do. And while they were doing that, I could hear off in the distance on the other side of the school, cheer after cheer after cheer after cheer. I never really found out what it was, but I, I kind of, probably something with the kids. Everybody was cheering and having, and I'm thinking, that is community. That's what community is all about. And I was proud to know that you know, there are communities in our area that, that express that and, and celebrate their, their kids and their accomplishments. Of course, as a teacher and a coach, my, I made it my life's work to, to work with kids, to be with kids. And it was such a wonderful, wonderful moment. And then I wake up Saturday morning and all that's crushed. The news of what happened in Pittsburgh, and that, of course, is coming on the heels of what had happened throughout the week, uh, the mail bomber, uh, all of that stuff, scaring people to death, and, you know, we know the details of the who, the what, and, the, and, the, and how they, they did these things, but it always leaves us asking the question, why? And it's funny, you know, it's like Larry had mentioned, you know, things just seem to be accelerating in that, in a, in more of a, 
an unstable direction as we go. And it's very, very frustrating. You know, why would a man with no terrorist connections, no history of mental illness, no criminal record, you know, suddenly lash out in these, in these ways? It just doesn't make any sense. Last week I talked about being overwhelmed and, and how, you know, God doesn't save us from that. We, we do go through times in our life where we are overwhelmed. And it doesn't make any sense. And people are trying to piece together a motive. And we're only you know, left to guess and wonder, you know, what's going on. You, you can, we can blame Trump. We can blame the media. We can blame everything else except the root of evil, which is sin. I have not heard the word sin mentioned on CNN, Fox News, or any other news when that is the root of evil. You know, as moral creatures created in the image of God, evil should naturally upset us. Even if people who don't believe in God, some of my, my atheist friends, they can't help but feel what happened in Pittsburgh or what happened with the, the male things. That's wrong. There's something absolutely wrong. You know, every life is precious. Every life is made in the image of God. Jews, Democrats, Republicans, uh, white people, black people, gay people, whatever people, they're all God's children created in his image. And we should mourn the loss of that life and emphasize with the, the families. But it just doesn't seem like it's enough. What do we do? You know, no amount of money or support can bring back what was lost. Immediately, uh, you know, uh, on my news feed, and on, I just kind of blinked through the news in between games and things yesterday. Here we go. We're starting in, uh, what's the root cause of all this? It's guns. Not sin, guns. We need more guns. People need more guns to protect themselves. This wouldn't happen. No, 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 no. We need less guns. Less guns makes things safer. Now, I'm no expert on these, these arguments, but we keep focusing in on the murder weapon and not so much on the root cause of the deeper problem, which is sin. Ever since sin entered the world, people have killed people. Whether it was with a, a fist, a rock, a sword a gun, a bomb. Sin has always led men to murder. And the root of the problem is not the weapon. The root problem is what's inside the person holding the weapon. It's called sin. It's evil. Human evil is not rational. We can't explain it. There, always, there isn't always a clear explanation of well, why? Evil in a lot of ways is a mystery. It's an abomination against everything that God created. It's not part of God's original design for creation. So weapons, guns, knives, whatever, your fists, I mean, that's just a symptom of a deeper issue. The world, our country, our community has been in a path of sharp moral decline for decades. 
You know, we celebrate men like Donald Trump and Hugh Hefner. We mock people who, who talk about Jesus. You know, long before people stood up and, and pulled the trigger and killed people, you know, the Bible had already said anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. The sin in the heart has turned to this murderous hate that's leading these actions. We don't have a gun problem. We have a sin problem. Springfield, Ohio. It's not a heroin problem. It's not a gun problem. It's a sin problem. That problem is internal. Mark chapter 7 says, For from within, out of the heart of men, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slender, pride, foolishness, and a hundred million other things. The problem's internal. It comes from within, the heart of man. The problem is sin and human evil. It exists, it is real, and we can't deny it. Flip on the TV. You'll see it. Sin is a problem. And I often think sometimes we in the church, we, those of us who have been saved, who are redeemed, we look at sin almost in a flippant manner. God will forgive us. God will, God will get us through that. Instead of looking at evil for what it is and calling it out as evil and understanding that as Christians, we have to stand up against evil. There's a dirty word in evangelism that many people don't like to hear. It's called repentance. We all admit that we're sinners. How many of us actually do anything about it? After we're saved and we... we, we we're given the Holy Spirit, and, and we're given the power. How many of us take the time to look at God and say, Yes, Lord, thank you for your, your salvation. Thank you for taking on the sin, my sin. But Lord, help me to repent, because sin isn't anything to play around with. You know, my prayer in the wake of another act of evil like that what happened in Pittsburgh? What happens in the political realms? What happens in Springfield? You know, I'm hoping we'll wake up from our slumber and start to look and take action against what's happening, you know, out there in the darkness. Because I want to emphasize this morning to all of you, and many of I've, there's a lot of visitors here, people I've not seen ever or maybe in a long, long time, if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to understand that Jesus is the hope of the world. Not the president. Jesus is the hope of the world, not stricter gun laws. Jesus is the hope of the world, not a political party. Not Rush Limbaugh, not Anderson Cooper. We're not going to find salvation in any of those. Salvation cannot be found in anything other than in Jesus, Acts 4.12. Jesus is the hope of the world, period. And as Christians, we want to proclaim that as we understand that evil is very real. Evil is something that affects our communities. And this is not going to be our last encounter with evil. 
You know, the end of evil will only come on the last day when that trumpet sounds, when Christ returns, when evil is thrown into the lake of fire. Then evil will end. But until that time, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with the fact that every day when we get up and we go out into the world and we do our thing, when we go to work, or we get up and we go to school, or we get up and we go to practice, that evil is going to be there. How do we deal with that? A couple of things to think about. Number one, expect it. I always find it interesting when Christians are shocked at some of the behavior of non-Christians. Oh, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> well, he's not a Christian. Well, how else would he behave? I mean, the guy that, that, that killed all those uh, the, the worshipers yesterday. This wasn't just any worship service in Pittsburgh for the Jewish people. This was the, uh, I can't ever remember how to pronounce it. It was a service for the, the circumcision of the young kids, the babies. It'd be like for us if we had a dedication service. We had a bunch of babies in here, and we were dedicating them to God. That's evil. People breaking into that. These people got to die. That's evil. But we have to expect it. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. Things are going to happen. Sometimes they're for a test. Sometimes not. Things happen. Evil happens in the world. Don't act as if it were some strange thing happening. What is going on? Evil. Evil exists in the world. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, Jesus even said it in Mark, we're supposed to endure it. Don't pretend like it doesn't exist. That's not enduring anything. Endure it. Love bears all things, including evil things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God has created us to be able to endure these types of events. You're made of pretty uh, stern stuff. Okay? You're, you're ultra strong. Okay? Don't forget that. We're not wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. We're made to endure. Give thanks for the refining effect of evil that, that comes upon you. I don't want to give thanks for evil. Why would I give, be thankful for that? Ephesians chapter 5 says, Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans uh, chapter 5, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. We're made to endure. Up at Graham, one of the... Uh, of course, the sport we're known for is wrestling. And... Uh, one of the things we'd always do as a, as a staff was first day of practice. First day of practice was always a hoot. We loved it up there. Uh, National Barf Day, we called it, because Coach Jordan had them out there, and they worked and worked, and he worked them into the ground. And those kids, by the end, were, I mean, they were all miserable. They were hurting. They were hurting. Sounds like Jesse, all right? I, 
<laughs> wrestling doesn't have a ball. You know what? That's a great point. But you see where I come from, if I say that, I get strung up a tree. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> no, the, the suffering produces endurance. The effort that you give produces endurance. If it was easy, it would not produce any kind of endurance. God has made us to endure. But God has also called us to hate evil. Romans chapter 12, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Do you hate evil? Do you hate evil enough to steer your way away from it? Do you hate evil enough to deal with it? Or do we play with it? Like some toy we're not supposed to play with. Yeah, I know this thing's not, not good for me, but we keep messing with it. Hate evil. Matthew chapter 6, Let, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray for escape from evil. Expose it. Ephesians chapter 5. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It's all right to call out evil when you see it. Oh, you Christians need to mind your own business, you bunch of hypocrites. No, call it out when you see it. That's evil. So how do we deal with it? We overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The answer is not for us to, as a church, to go rolling out of here wanting to you know, throw fists and go crazy. No. Overcome evil with good. And in doing these things, we begin to resist evil. James chapter 4, resist evil, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Seems like this is the eighth, ninth time I've stood before you and had to try to make sense of what's going on in a larger world. To help us all together kind of come to terms with the the wickedness that, that goes on. And I think I've, uh, I, you know, I hope you don't feel like I've overdone it with the, well, you, you got to expect it. It's going to happen. You're just going to have to live with it. You know, yes, evil is real, and evil will happen, and evil will touch all of us. But above all that, remember. Never doubt that God is totally for you in Christ. It's really easy to say, well, where is God? Where is this God you're talking about? Where, where, where is this, this God of love? And, you know, while these, these Jewish babies got shot up in a synagogue, and then they're supposed to be God's people. Well, what, where is he? What, what's going on? Never doubt that God is totally for you. In Christ, don't confuse the evil that befalls us as somehow God's wrath upon us or some form of discipline from God. I've had Christians tell me that. Well, you know, you, you had it coming. God, he got you. 
One of the most hurtful things I ever remember uttered in a church. There, there was a, a gentleman from many, many, many years ago who went to church here, and he was uh, had been married for, jeez, I know, 50 years probably. Anyways, his wife died, and he ended up, uh, found a, a lady friend. And there were some people from another, not this church, but there were some people from another church that uh, they were together about a week before he had a heart attack and died or something happened to him. I don't remember exactly what it was. And I remember them almost gloating to me how, well, that's what he gets. That's what he gets. See, he, you know, he, they proceeded to tell me these things, and I'm just kind of like, how callous, how hurtful. God did not zap that man out of some sort of wrath and anger. You know how I know that? Because the Bible is absolutely clear that the wrath of God was poured out not on us, it was poured out on His Son, Christ. Once and for all. So when evil befalls you, when things happen to you, it is not God punishing you. It is not God trying to demean you. Sure, God disciplines us at times. But I don't believe God causes evil to discipline us. Now through evil, he teaches us how to endure, how to love. It's not an expression of his punishment in wrath. The wrath that fell on Jesus Christ was the wrath that was due to us. The wrath that was due to the shooter yesterday. The wrath that should fall upon all of this. That fell upon Christ. Galatians 3.13. I didn't write it down. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse... For us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, which is that we were all found guilty before God, that all of us are deserving of God's wrath because of that problem within called sin. But God took all of that wrath, all of that that was due to us, and he poured it out on his son at the crucifixion. Jesus became sin, and he was crushed for us. And that through his resurrection, we could be born again a new creation, a new entity in many ways before God. Somebody who, yeah, you're a sinner. Yeah, you're living within that old sinful shell that you're going to shed one of these days, but the truth is you're forgiven for all time. Because it's not what you did. It's what God did through Christ for us. That's a lot of preacher talk. 
Let me break it down easy for you. All of us are sinners. We all deserve death. We all screwed up. We deserve the wrath of a, of a loving God. When I was a kid, I got in trouble, uh, you know, many times. I, I got what was coming to me. Many of you did. I've heard some of your stories. Oh, yeah, man, they got me good. I remember uh, my grandpa yanked me up off the... It was like a pendulum swinging in the air. It was like, ooh, <laughs> man, I got what was coming to me. But all of us... There's a film I, I like. It's, uh, it's not a Christian movie by any way, means. It's called Unforgiven. And at the end of the movie, they're sitting there and the realization of everything has kind of come on. And there's this kid that had been running around with Clint Eastwood, been talking big the whole movie. And he's like, yeah, man, I, you know all them things I said? Well, ain't none of that true. I never killed no one. I, I, I ain't like you. And he's sitting there and, he, and Clint Eastwood's like, yeah, kid, take another drink. And the kid's like, man, I shot that dude. I blew him away. He didn't deserve it. Clint goes, kid, we all deserve it. We all got it coming. That's the point of the whole film. Unforgiven. None of us should be unforgiven. But praise be to God, the Father, and, and through, our, through his son Jesus. That's not the truth. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 46. I want to wrap up with this. And you'll have to forgive me. Today was kind of a meandering uh, message, but when I get worked up, I get that way. Because I get tired of seeing injustice like what happened yesterday. Uh, I get tired of of sin, and I get tired of the realization that, you know what, I'm a sinner too. And I get tired of myself sometimes. And I long for the day when Christ makes all things, through Christ all things will be made new. Psalm 46. I went back and read this last night just as a way to uh, help myself get calibrated again into what reality is. Because things tend to feel like they're getting a little out of control. And I want to ground myself again in the firm foundation that is Christ. Psalm 46 is a, a psalm that was... Uh, it's about God being a refuge for His people. And you probably have heard parts of this before. Some of you may have even you know, put some of it to memory. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The, hot, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. 
She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. How many of you really believe that? Is the Lord of hosts with you? Does he go with you? Does he go before you? There's a song that I'm really liking lately. Uh, and I like it so much I can't even remember the name of it now. Yeah. Uh, basically, the whole bit is, you know, Christ is, is all around us. God be before me, behind me. To the left, to the right, surround me. You know, as I go throughout my day, Christ all around me. His Father in heaven. God the Most High. Will be exalted among the nations. God Most High is for us. He is with us. And in the midst of evil... When you flip on the TV and everybody wants to give solutions and point fingers and yell and this, the reality is God is still in control. God is for us. God will be with us. So verse 10, cease striving and know that I am God. There comes a point when you just got to say, you know, it is what it is. But God is God. God is for me, and that's good enough, and that's good enough. Well, a lot of talk about evil today, but our God is a God of mercy. Our God is a God of love. Our God is a God of forgiveness. If you're new here, if you're new to this thing called Christianity, understand this. God loves you. And yeah, bad things are happening around the world. And bad things will always happen to people. But God is for you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want to take your fun away. He doesn't want to ruin your life. He wants to make your life complete. Give him a chance. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I, I just thank you, God, for the passion that you've given you know, somebody as laid back as I am to get up and, and, and just kind of call out evil. And I thank you for your word, which is a light to me and to this church. And, and, and God, I pray for the leadership of this church. I pray that all of us, as we, we go about our business and we deal with, with life, that we would remember that you go before us. And that you're not some abstract, weird thing out there, but you're very, very real and that you love us and that you care for us. Father, we just want to glorify you today and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.